Hello, you wonderful humans, and welcome to episode eight of the Embers Collective podcast. Today, we are at the tribe in Agonda, Goa, and we are going to be telling the story of the skeleton woman. Enjoy. Nobody quite remembers what it was she'd done to anger her father so much. But whatever it was, he'd thrown her from a cliff and she sank down to the bottom of the sea. Down below the waves, her body began to decompose as the little fish began to nibble at her fingers, her eyeballs, her lips, her toes and her tongue. Until all that was left was her shining white skeleton. For hundreds, maybe even thousands of years, she tossed and turned on the sandy floor, being pulled this way and that with the currents and waves. There was no light this far under the surface, but her skeleton seemed to glow. So much that it attracted lots of fish and crabs that came to live in her skull and ribcage, attaching themselves to her bones. And it was there that she remained for a very long time. fisherman was sitting in his boat, his line sinking down into the water. The sky was a sunset red and purple and the air was cold, so he shivered in his tiny boat which rocked from side to side with the waves. He was a good fisherman, good, not great, and like all the other fishermen he woke up before the sun was out and spent all day until the sun set trying to get the best catch. Unlike the other fishermen, however, when he went home in the evening, he went home to an empty house. For whatever reason, he had been unable to find someone to share his house, his bed, someone to keep him warm at night. Perhaps it was because he was shy, or perhaps it was because he always smelled of fish, or maybe it was because he'd never caught a trophy fish, one big enough to warrant a village feast. But he never complained about it. In fact, he rarely even mentioned it. And when the other villagers asked him how he was, he'd say, Fine, thanks. The only evidence that he was sad or lonely was at night when he was asleep in his cold bed. A single tear would escape from his eye and run down his cheek and drip into his pillow. Today, sitting in his boat, all he thought about was catching that trophy fish and now everyone would love him and have plenty to eat. And then, he began to feel something tug on the end of his line, something heavy, really heavy, and he pulled and he pulled and he pulled, and it began to grow lighter and lighter as it rose up to the surface. He locked his knees into the boat so he could pull even harder, and it continued to rise up to the surface as he turned around to grab his neck, uh, uh, grab his net, and he didn't see the skeleton rising up out of the water. 
and as he turned, gave one last tug to see the skeleton flopping into his boat, the white bones reflecting and glowing in the early morning light, seashells had attached themselves like jewels to her skull, seaweed draped off her shoulders and crabs popped in and out of her eye holes. Ah! He screamed, stumbling backwards, falling into the bottom of his boat. Panic churned in his stomach as he jumped up, causing the boat to rock from side to side. Not realising the skeleton was firmly wrapped up in his fishing line, he gathered up the bones and chucked them over the side. And then he began to paddle. He paddled and he paddled and he paddled. And at one point he glanced behind and saw the skeleton riding in the wake, smiling a toothless smile. And so he paddled harder and harder and harder until his boat reached the shore, where he jumped out, grabbed all of his things and began to run. If anyone had seen him running, they would have thought he lost his mind. He was sprinting and every now and again glancing behind him and screaming, seeing the skeleton jingling and jangling along behind him. And no matter how fast he ran, the skeleton always managed to keep up until he burst in through the door of his house and slammed it shut. And he stood in the darkness waiting to catch his breath. That was quite a day. And then he lit his whale oil lamp, which illuminated his tiny hut and began to arrange his things for dinner. And then he took his coat off and turned around to see the skeleton lying inside the door staring at him. But now it didn't look quite as scary as it was before. Maybe it was the light from the whale oil lamp, but there was something warmer about it, something softer. And he began to feel sorry for the skeleton. By now it was very jumbled and mixed up. Its foot was jammed up under the jaw, the arms wrapped under the ribcage. Yes, he thought it was a bit weird, but it was kind of nice to just have someone come visit his hut. And so he got down on his knees and he began to arrange the bones. And it was then that he realized that his fishing line was wrapped and tangled around the skeleton, so he took his knife and cut it loose. And then he began to lay out the bones in the order that they should be in. First the feet, then the legs, then the hips, and then the spine and ribs, the neck and the skull and the arms. And as he did so, he sang a little song. not to hide it, just to keep it warm. And he sat down and ate his dinner with the skeleton watching him in silence. And then he crawled under his fur blankets and went to sleep. And that night, just like every other night, in his sleep a little tear escaped from his eye and ran down his cheek. But this time it didn't seep into his pillow. 
The skeleton watched as the tears seeped out and ran down and she suddenly became incredibly thirsty, like she hadn't had anything to drink for hundreds, maybe even thousands of years. And she, so she began to move and crawl and sudder and shake as she moved across the floor, her bones gleaming in the light from the lamp until she reached his cheek. She placed her mouth under the tear so it slid off into her mouth. And once she did, she felt revived, like she had drunk long and deep, like the tear was that of a thousand rivers. And then lying next to him, she reached inside the sleeping man and pulled out his heart, which she began to beat like a drum. And she beat herself into existence. Skin, hair, eyes, nose, fingers, lips, Toes, skin, hair, eyes, nose, fingers, lips, tongue and toes. And when she had finished, she stood in the dim light, the complete woman that she had once been. She placed his heart back inside and crawled into the bed next to him under his furs so they lay next to each other skin against skin. And this is how they woke wrapped around one another, tangled up from the night before. And the next morning, they got up and went fishing together. This time they had absolutely no problems catching all the fish they could ever want or need. And in the evenings, they would eat together and keep each other warm at night, and so it was for the rest of their days. And I've been told that this story is 100% true. And who are we to say otherwise? Okay, so that was The Skeleton Woman, performed by Lonin Jenkins, and music was performed and composed by Tim Karp and Jonna Benka. And today we are here with Lonin. Hello. Tim. Hello. Jonna. Hello. And Saskia. Hi. And Jonna and Saskia are from the tribe Goa, which is where we are at the moment, where we've been for the last four or five days. And... Um, should we first just talk about the story? Yeah. And then we can talk about the tribe in a little bit. Great. So, where did you find that story, Lennon? Um, I found it in the the wonderful book, uh, The Women Who Run With The Wolves by Clara Pinkola Estes. Um, and we, I guess we first discovered that book about a year and a half ago when we put together a show for Meadows in the Mountains Festival based on um, a few stories from it, which Saskia actually helped build the stage for as well. Um, and we... Uh, and, I, and I was reading it on the beach in Patnam last week and the story just, just kind of really jumped out to me, um, mainly because of her analysis of it afterwards and the things that the story represents are, are incredibly powerful. And I, I wanted to put it together and we performed it last night and, and thought it would be a good podcast um, to do today. Um, the story kind of looks at the the... 
how loving relationships can progress through a kind of life-death life cycle. Um, but a lot of people, because of our attitudes towards death, very much see death as the end. And we don't realize that very often when something ends, um, or actually always when something ends, it leads to something new, a new life, whether that new life is a new style of relationship or a new relationship or um, a lesson or something that you can carry with you. Um, and I, I kind of like the story because the fisherman initially goes out to try to catch this trophy fish and he's very much seeking this prize and this acclaim from everyone and what he actually finds is this skeleton woman who scares him at first and he tries to run away from it um, and he and actually she is exactly what he needs and he develops that compassion and, and can see that that this was a, this was a human and through that she she is reborn and and they form a, a beautiful um, loving relationship in the end so it was I thought it was an incredibly powerful story in a very very small amount in 10 minutes it, it goes through so much and there's so many different themes yeah. um, but I would highly recommend anyone who sort of is interested in, in reading her analysis it, it's incredible and she goes even deeper than than I can I, I, I yeah she goes way deeper than I can at the moment it's amazing <laughs> so the the fisherman at the start he he was sad basically he was there mm. was something missing in his life or and then it was like oh okay maybe uh, maybe I'm lonely or maybe it's because I haven't caught the big fish yet mm. and I think that that says a lot about how we see the world and like we're chasing this big fish mm. that that you know we might never catch we might not it's, it's not the right thing for us to catch or we're not good enough to catch it mm. or we're yeah and then he ended up catching something else and what we think we want in life, like we're often confused and chase after this thing that we think we want that will make us happy and then run away from the things that we discard or we think aren't worth it or aren't going to change our lives or aren't going to be that special thing and then in the end it's always the opposite. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was quite a nice one to work with musically as well. I had the pleasure of working with Yona here who is a, are you, were you at the tribe at the beginning? Yes. In the tribe, at the tribe? <laughs> so from the beginning. In the tribe, yeah. We'll talk about the tribe very shortly, I promise. Um, but we, yeah, we composed all this music together in like half an hour or wow. something and it happened very kind of organically. Um, and it was Yona's first time playing with the Embers Collective. Um, how was it for you, Yona? Wonderful. Well, I really, I really enjoy um, being musically interactive with several art forms uh, and to improvise as well. And I think the art of storytelling is a wonderful art. Uh, it's great that uh, people pick that up. Clearly, alone and we, we just like um, it's very wonderful to work with. So, um, and I, I appreciated the stories chosen very much. I like the fact that they're not too long, but uh, having a very essential message. Mm. Like, like good stories have. Mm. Yeah. And I, I love to tell stories mm. musically, so <laughs> when you can combine them together, it's, it's amazing. Mm. Mm. Had you worked with Storyteller before? Um, not as such. I've worked with um, uh, spoken word, poets, poets uh, improvised spoken word and improvised music. Uh, so I have some experience with that. I worked also in what we call the jazz musical, 
which was more also a story with uh, with improvised but also structured uh, like let's call it the background score a function of, uh, of a music ensemble uh, so and like I said before I really love this interaction of music and other forms of art mm -hmm. so, yeah. okay and we had the pleasure of um, putting on an Ember show here in the tribe uh, last night and we we did four stories and, and a couple of songs um, and the Skeleton Woman is one that I hadn't performed live before, we hadn't performed live before so it was really great to get that, um, to do that and it was a, it was a really magical show. Um, the, the, we had a great audience and everyone was really engaged and we had wonderful headpieces and, and makeup uh, designed and made by the great Luke Nash. Luke Nash London. And it was a really special one. Like we, we talked to Saskia when we were at Meadows in the Mountains about coming and doing Ember stuff here a year and a half ago. And it was great to, to actually get the opportunity to come here and do it. And, and it felt, felt pretty, pretty magic. Yeah. And it, was, it was lovely. So let's, let's talk about where we are. So just to put you into our eyes we're sitting in what is it it's a yoga place yoga shala. we're in a yoga shala shala that can also function as a stage which can also function as a stage um, there's a couple of dogs around us there's well there was loads of cows in front of us but they would left when we started telling the stories they didn't like the story <laughs> not a fan uh, we're staring into the jungle basically in south goa um, and there's uh, we arrived at, at this place uh, almost a week ago and it's a kind of eco-community. Um, I'm going to just let you guys talk about it. Yeah. Because I'm just going to... Uh, anyway, we love it here and we're, we're finding out lots of new things and learning lots of stuff. Um, Saskia, would you like to just give an introduction to this place and what it does? Yeah, um, so we've got about... We're on about 12 acres of uh, really degraded jungle. It used to be one of the oldest jungles in the world and um, full of biodiversity and a lot of that has been lost. We moved onto this land two years ago and have been trying to reforest um, this plot with the bigger intention of, of um, working to reforest the surrounding area as well. Um, so there's about nine of us and, well, between nine and 20 people living and working here during the year. Um, on that, so permaculture and, and art, music, wildlife rescue and conservation, there's many different facets. Um, but on the whole, we yeah really want to just find a way to live more simply and connect to nature, um, live in harmony with our environment, which is becoming harder and harder to do around the world. Um, and yeah, last night was a beautiful example of that because I think coming back to simplicity and being able to really ground and connect with, with wildlife and with nature and with ourselves primarily, I mean, humans are at the base of all the issues that are degrading the environment around the world. Um, so to try and find that peace and grounding within ourselves in this setting. Um, and I think, yeah, sitting around a fire and listening to someone tell stories, like, is one of the oldest, oldest things, like, you know, simplest and most rooted primal things that you can do um, to connect to yourselves, to connect to each other, to connect to our ancestors, to connect to, the world around us and our own psychology and, and trips that we go through. Mm. So it's super beautiful and really, really fit well here. And yeah, yeah it felt very natural to perform here. Mm. Mm. The, um, so all the people that work work here, you said that there's nine of you, so you're kind of the core of the 
the group mm. and then everybody else are they are they volunteers or are they what's what's the deal there yeah we have a few volunteers um that come for anything between like two to six months um and then we have a whole team for for example we have a cafe and a guest house as well um so we have a whole team that that come and work here for the season mm. in the kitchen and housekeeping um, on the land as well, from all over the world, all over India and here in Goa. Mm. So it's a nice mix. And so people come and also learn how to how to live with the land and how to yeah. build and how to irrigate and yeah, exactly. Many decent skills. I built a fence. Yeah. I mean, I helped. Beautiful fence around the new nursery. I cut my um, finger. Yeah, I've got Almost. many blisters as well. <laughs> yeah, um, I think we'd really like this place to become a kind of hub um, for people to come and explore different ideas of sustainability and share ideas and empower each other and connect to other projects and other people doing similar things around the place. Um, for it to be a kind of idea laboratory and um, with art and music and permaculture. Um, and all the things, you know, from all the things, basically. <laughs> but really trying to, yeah, find that essence and, and simplicity and sustainability with, with as much as we can through the things that we do. And it's, it's really beautiful here and, and incredibly peaceful. And, um, and, and to just to give you, like Saskia and her team have built these great huts out of um, mostly bamboo and palm and wood um, and you can come and stay here so if, if any of you listening are, are in the Goa area we'd highly recommend coming and staying or even just coming along for lunch or for a, for a mm. coffee or a chai um, and we've been sleeping in the dorm and it's it's really really beautiful to wake up and kind of feel the breeze it, it's it's like sleeping outdoors I mean it's pretty much sleeping outdoors it's just got a roof over the over the top and to feel the wind and then to hear the birds and and all the different wildlife in the jungle just echoing around it's it's really beautiful and and it's been really grounding and and like hitting a big reset button being here it's it's been wonderful and and really lovely to see the great work that you guys are doing Thanks. So how do people find you? So we've got a Facebook page, The Tribe Goa, Instagram as well, and um, our website's thetribegoa.com. That's uh, pretty simple. Um, but yeah, we've got a guest house and a cafe, so if people want to come and see what's going on in the project, like there's places to stay. We have weekly events as well, like movie nights and jam mm. sessions. The food is amazing yeah. as well. Yeah, oh my God, so delicious. The chefs are incredible. And Maud's cakes are fantastic <laughs> and kombucha got a kombucha hotel <laughs> well i think on that note we will leave it there um thank you very much for listening and as always please do check out our facebook page and our instagram for all of our upcoming events um as we mentioned in the last podcast sarah lisa and rixie are keeping um things afloat back in london and we've got some great shows coming up so make sure to check those out and you've been listening to Lonan Jenkins. Hello, thank you very much. <laughs> Saskia Gal. Hi, thanks. Uh, Jona Benka. Thank you very much. And Tim Karp. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Bye. 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 <laughs>